Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. We begin with healthcare workers. Get vaccinated, get tested, or don't get paid. That message has been the message from Shared Health here in Manitoba. Uh, the message that it has been sending to its employees ahead of today's deadline. People who work directly with vulnerable people must, as of today, show proof of vaccination, a negative COVID-19 test, or go on unpaid leave. Joining us now to talk about exactly what that means and what the ramifications are, Tori McNally, Director of HR Services at Legacy Bose. Tori, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you? Excellent. Um, we'll get into why a healthcare worker would decide not to get the vaccine, not to get tested, but explain to me what unpaid leave means. Um, it, it just And I want to hear from healthcare workers out there that are choosing unpaid leave. Please talk to me, 204-780-6868 or hal at cgob.com. But when they go on unpaid leave, uh, or they, uh, what what exactly does that mean, Tori, for a healthcare worker that doesn't get vaccinated and will not get tested? So it means that their uh, employment relationship stays with the employer, but that there will be no paycheck. Um, it also means um, that there won't be any government supports because um, they have chosen, they're, con- they're considering it that they voluntarily left their job. So they wouldn't be able to be eligible for employment insurance um, and, you know, the days of CERB are over um, and its replacement supports have a much stricter eligibility requirement. And so uh, unpaid leave means just that. So uh, you would be able to, uh, you know, keep your employment relationship like your name would still show up on the on the on the roster um, but you wouldn't receive any money for it if you take unpaid leave like that um, would you be guaranteed of your position at some point down the road or are all guarantees kind of out the window would you still have a position or would you have the position that you're leaving specifically so you would uh, you would be guaranteed a position, um, and it would be similar. Um, but you know this uh, this policy is going to be in place for the duration of the pandemic. So there's no specific end date on it at all. Um, so people who are going on an unpaid leave uh, really are just uh, you know it, who knows how long they'll be on that leave, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess they could use holidays, right? Or if they've accumulated stats or, I mean, I guess that's an option, but that would run out uh, at some point, probably early for most people. Yeah, so some people might have, you know, banked time um, that they've earned. Uh, they might have uh, uh, paid sick days uh, that, that are uh, paid, uh, some paid time away from work, uh, or they might have vacation pay. We all know that healthcare workers have been working really hard for the past couple of years, um, and mm-hmm. so maybe there is some unpaid uh, or some untaken vacation um, that they could take. So they could certainly put in requests. Um, to take that first, um, and then at least the first part of their uh, leave would be paid uh, using those um, paid time off uh, 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 tickets. Um, but you're right, they're going to run out, um, and they probably are going to run out before the pandemic runs out. Yeah. Um, I think in healthcare, 
Um, and you're in HR, so I'll try and keep my, my questions to, to the HR area for you. But I guess for me, I, I, in healthcare especially, other professions, well, you know, whatever. But in healthcare, I, I kind of feel like, boy, uh, you know the value of this vaccine. Or if you don't want to get the vaccine, certainly why wouldn't you get tested? But I'm really going to be curious to see how many choose the unpaid leave option. And I, I wonder if, and we're waiting in other uh, areas of work, too, to see their final numbers on how many people just aren't going to get vaccinated that will be tested. But in healthcare specifically, I wonder if this isn't the um, the great re- uh, great retirement that we've been hearing about, right? That some of these people are just in a position where they've had enough in healthcare and they're just taking the unpaid, unpaid leave option to move on to something else. You know, You know what I'm getting at here? I do. And, you know, you could you could be on an unpaid leave from one uh, employer and certainly um, get hired and work elsewhere. Like as long as you're not breaking any conflict of interest clauses uh, in your employment contract, you have the freedom to uh, get another job as long as they'll accept you being unvaccinated and not willing to test. Right. Sure. That's the other, that's yeah. the other piece of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just um, I just kind of don't. Uh, are you seeing a lot of that in HR at Legacy Bows? The the people that you deal with, clients on both sides, employers and employees, or is there anything to that great retirement? That's what they've coined it. You know, the great retirement people that have sort of reevaluated what they're doing during the pandemic and they've decided not to do what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. There's lots of people um, who uh, have realized the work-life balance um, where they're at uh, isn't where where they want it to be. So lots are switching jobs. Um, And then others are just saying, you know what, I've just had uh, enough. I want to spend more time um, doing what I want to do um, and uh, just just retiring entirely. I think a lot of people also felt like they couldn't retire um, when the early days of the pandemic were coming. So maybe people who would have retired in 2020 held on because they felt like they'd be letting their team down in a moment of crisis Um, and so I think a lot of it is just the backlog of retirements as well right Tori thanks for your time today I appreciate it of course anytime take care Tori McNally is the director of HR services at Legacy Bowes right now it's Dave Howard on the line the founder of Homes for Heroes Dave good morning Good morning, Al. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to have you back for an update here. We had John last week ahead of a committee uh, vote on your concept, which is um, housing for homeless veterans. You do it elsewhere in the country very successfully. You want to be here in Winnipeg. You told us uh, last week you were frustrated but hopeful. Uh, Did they say yes? Did they say no at the committee level? What's happening? Well, I I still want, want to start by saying we want to be in Winnipeg, and Winnipeg needs us. There's over 200 veterans living on the street in Winnipeg, and that's inexcusable. So uh, let's jump back. 30 days ago, before this meeting, council agreed, this planning committee agreed to find us suitable lands. So we came into last week's meeting. We had a piece of land. We're interested in that land. And council determined that okay, well, we're going to do a formal review then of this piece of land to see if any other department wants it. We were under the understanding that that review had already happened. Um, apparently, it has not. Uh, what we found out at this uh, also in the last couple of days is that um, there, you know, there's 
the committee has to approve a sale of this land to us. Um, there's another group, uh, Community Services, that ha- objects to that. Community Services it just happens to be the group that's in charge of the Red Recreation Center, that it would be to the east of it. So, so it's very confusing. Um, we thought we had a piece of land. We're willing to pay for the piece of land, build the housing ourselves, but the objection has come from uh, community services because suddenly they would like the land. So another delay, in other words, hopefully. Uh, I mean, they didn't tell you no, but they also haven't said yes, right? We've got to wait and see. It, well, they didn't say no. They're basically saying, look, let's have all those uh, pieces come, and November 10th we'll discuss it. What's confusing to me is that the Red Recreation Center is a $70 million build. And having these extra two acres there, um, for them, they would like to take it and sell it. So if they, even if they just sell that land, it still doesn't help them with 70, raising $70 million to make that build. Whereas we're ready to go, shovels in the ground, it sounds to me like they have a lot more work to do to raise their $70 million. Why keep people on the street that had defended our country um, while they need to still work on budgeting? I think that we have a plan to move forward. Their lack of zoned land that the city owns, this is actually the only piece. So when council or other uh, um, counselors suggest maybe we should go somewhere else. Let me tell you, if they gave us land elsewhere, it would take two plus years to get zoned, and in turn, there's still full community engagement on that. So it's a frustrating thing, and I don't know if what's happened within council to take it two and a half years of working with them on this project. Well, listen, I, and I understand your frustration. I sometimes refer to City Hall, City Hall as Silly Hall because at times it does seem silly. And this has kind of been my complaint about, as I said to you last week, a lot of people are working hard on the homeless issue in our city, and, and I appreciate their efforts. But I feel like sometimes things aren't happening fast enough. You've come in here with a, a it's been proven successful in other cities in the country. You want to take about 200 homeless vets off the streets of Winnipeg, which would be a significant number. And and I just don't understand why this stuff can't happen faster. You're not asking for free land. You're going to pay for land. I, I just don't, sometimes I just don't understand it. I realize there are procedures and you know, it's a process to go through it at City Hall, but boy, when when so much good can happen, I I just really don't understand it, Dave. Well, I, I'm having a hard time with that. I mean, I got to tell you that we are thrilled. We've had support with Kevin Klein uh, almost from day one. He has helped us maneuver this, but I think he's at his wit's end. I mean, the fact that there's parcel land has been sitting there, it could be available to us. And in turn, look, we're looking at building a tiny home community with full wraparound support services. Every year we operate, we save the city $1.6 million a year. So not only are we looking to come in and solve an issue that costs the city, by the way, a lot of money, we're willing to do it at on our dime. So appreciate that. Look, we have one in Calgary, Edmonton. We're going into Kingston. We have provinces and cities that are offering us free land, giving us incentives financially, uh, no taxes to come in and build. The holdup in Winnipeg is confusing. 
But to, at the last minute to say, oh, actually, there's another group that has interested in this. But they would like the land, by the way, given to them, and they would like the tax from that land given to them. How does that make sense? I mean, th- there's a mistake here. There's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And if things don't progress the way you hope they do at City Hall, there is the opportunity to deal with the province on this, right? I mean, you're not going to wash your hands of Winnipeg if things don't go well at City Hall with this. Well, we're pretty close, Al. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, look, if there is a potential on a piece of land with the province. The problem there, again, is that that would have to be rezoned as well. And what people are, where the confusion lies on this is that we have federal support, financial support to get these built within a certain time frame. We do not have two years to wait. Two years ago, by the way, we did. Now we're at the end of that deadline. So if the province can't really speed that zoning along because it ends up being in the city's hands, they can't seem to get their act together to do it. Uh, I'm not sure what can happen. So, uh, you know, look, We've got other groups, and that's where we'll put our investment if we can't get something done. The easiest solution, the quickest way for this to happen and to happen to support the community is this land on Transcona. That is the piece that fits our needs. And quite frankly, uh, if they're going to sell it, they have to approve to sell it. And if they're going to sell it to any other group, I would suggest that we have the best proposal there. Yeah. Listen, Dave. I, I please keep me posted on this. I, I really think this is uh, this is important, and uh, and I'm sorry you're running into so many roadblocks. And I I really hope that we can figure out a way to to make this happen. I I just don't. It it it, it is. A, and I know you want to be here in Winnipeg because there are so many veterans that are homeless here in Winnipeg. But I get it. I understand. Other cities want you, and if Winnipeg isn't going to make it easy for you to buy easy for you to buy land then i i completely get it i understand you've got to go elsewhere i i hope that doesn't happen i hope so too look i want the, to be in winnipeg for our veterans for the people that served us sir put their name their lives on the line to depict our freedoms remembrance day is coming up and we have it to be in council the day before that and if we get turned down at that time that would be the most shocking to me because we live in this free country of Canada because of them. Let's not forget that. So, you know, look, I appreciate being on your show. I would ask the people of um, Winnipeg, if they want this to move forward, to push their councillors. The councillor in uh, Transcona, um, that would be Sean Nason. Sean Nason, yeah. Let him know. Yeah, let him know. Look, if... If the rec center is going to need help and support, they should look elsewhere. It's a $70 million build. Mm-hmm. A $500,000, $600,000 piece of land is not going to fix that. Uh, yeah. They need to be raising $70 million, not five hundred. So let people know. Stand up. Talk to your counselor. Talk to your mayor. I mean, this is a priority that you know is costing the city money, and they should look into this. Dave Howard, appreciate your time. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, As always, thank you, Al, and uh, thank you, Winnipeg. Thank you for the great support. Dave Howard is the founder of Homes for Heroes. Uh, And really, do talk to your counselor. He mentioned Counselor Klein, who moved the motion at committee. He he wants to see this happen. Um, As uh, Dave said, 
Sean Nason in Transcona. But listen, all counselors need to hear from you on this. In fact, I just got a great text message from Chris at 204-780-6868. And Chris says, Hal, I sent, uh, I'm still pressing my counselor, Jeff Browati, to determine his position on the important issue of homes for heroes. My post on his community Facebook page shows a lot of support for this important initiative. Six days is plenty of time for a reply, and yet we wait. Come on, Winnipeg. This is a no-brainer. Capital letters, stop dragging your feet, exclamation mark. I agree, Chris. Uh, call your counselor about this. Homes for Heroes. They want to do housing and other supports for Winnipeg's homeless veterans. We've got to get moving on this issue. Here's an organization that does it, does it well, and they want to be here. They want to buy the land to be here. And we can't get it done. Uh, I really hope we do eventually get it done, but it's got to happen faster. They're going to move on. They want they want them in other areas, and, and they want to be here. But at some point, they're going to have to uh, uh, just move on. Joining us now, Dennis Newfield on the phone, Program Director of the Electronics Products uh, Electronic Products Recycling Association. Dennis, good morning. Good morning, Hal. It's uh, Waste Reduction Week this week, and so it's an opportunity uh, to talk to you. A lot of people, I don't think, realize that we uh, need to be concerned about our electronics. Yeah, we, we certainly do. We, we, we need to know that there's a better place than the garbage or the landfill to put our electronics in there. There's a couple of good reasons for it. And, and the first one is there's some bad stuff inside the older electronics. You know, you remember those old tube TVs. Uh, they, they were made of leaded glass, and, and, and that gets in to the ground, pollutes our ground, pollutes the water table, really bad for us. And even the flat screens, they have mercury gases inside them. That's what makes the screens light up. Again, we got to handle that stuff properly, not in the ground. But, but then there's another side to it, too. There's also some good stuff in there. So we're going to recycle the electronics, and we pull out the steel, aluminum, copper. There's even some gold and some silver in there. We're going to capture that, put it right back in the manufacturing process so that we don't have to mine fresh stuff. Yeah. So um, talk a bit about where, for example, everything from a cell phone, you mentioned a flat screen or big screen TV, are electronic. So how do we make sure you get that bad stuff out of them and harvest the good stuff? How do we do that? So the best thing to do, if you got these items, go to our website, recyclemyelectronics.ca, and you're going to be met with a postal code locator. Pop in your postal code. It's going to give you the five closest locations to where you are in the hours of operation so you know exactly where to take it and drop it off. It's really easy. You know, one thing that came to mind knowing I was talking to you today is we keep, you know, hearing about the shortages and the shortage of the uh, the computer chips and stuff, you know. And, and I would imagine, you tell me, that some of the stuff you harvest from the old electronics can be used in, in as you said, new stuff like those uh, computer chips, right? Yeah, absolutely, because everything that's inside there, um, you know, was used to make new uh, the new stuff. So why are we mining this stuff? There's a shortage all over the world. Um, and it's not just for the computers. It's just for everything that there's shortages of. And we've got all this material in our electronics. Why are we throwing it in the garbage? We need to send it to one of our depots. We need to extract all that material, and we'll put it back into the manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. Do we do a pretty good job in Manitoba when it comes to recycling electronics? 
We really do. We've been operating now for almost 10 years, and we're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 7 million pounds a year of electronics. So we're doing a good job, but there's always more. Everybody's got that junk drawer or something in the basement or the garage sitting there going, geez, what am I going to do with that thing? Uh, we're the guys to help you look after that. Yeah. You know what? I'm looking right now at a box in the corner of my home studio here. I've been, I've been doing my show at the home studio here for months and months and months now. Uh, I've got a box that's got all the old cords and all the old, I mean, I've got, I have stuff in there from 20 years ago. And you know what? There's no point keeping it. I mean, at some point you just go, listen, this is never going to be needed again. Let's recycle it. Yeah, absolutely. There, everybody's got those those cords you don't even know what they you know they connect to anymore you're scared to throw it out maybe i'll use it one day but the chances are you're really not and and even those cords it has the little adapter on the end we're going to break all that down we're going to get all the metals out of there and so uh we're going to reuse all that stuff and also don't forget people think oh i've got an old vcr or something they haven't sold those in years i can't send it to those guys we absolutely take it doesn't matter if it hasn't been sold for years we still get the old you know tvs that were in the wooden cabinets wow give us the website again recyclemyelectronics.ca dennis thanks for your time thank you hal dennis newfield program director electronic products recycling association this is the beginning of waste reduction week Into the final half hour of the show, we're going to take some Sharon Lois and Bram here, and then we'll tell you why, all right? Take a listen. All right, so um, Sharon Lois and Bram to start the final half hour of the show here because Global News anchor Lisa Dutton requested it. Lisa, good morning. Good morning. That's a feel-good Monday song. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't help but smile. Now, listen, I think I'm too old for Sharon Lois and Bram because I, I never really got into them, but this takes you back, huh? It does. There was a release last, last week that said uh, Sharon, Lois, and Bram releasing the first uh, their first album in 21 years, and it was one of those moments that made me feel old because that's kind of what I grew up on, and uh, it, it just got me thinking about all of these uh, things from childhood that are sort of yeah. resurfacing right now, but in a new way. Um, recently, that song, Skidamarinky Dinky Dink, was posted to TikTok, and it has <laughs> over 4.3 million views. So it, it's these things resurfacing um, yeah. in a new way, and it, it's, it's, it's heartwarming. I love that song. <laughs> yeah. Sandy says, no, with a bunch of O's. <laughs> now I'm going to have that song in my head all day, LOL. Yeah, all day, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving the reboots at our house. Uh, The reboot of Cobra Kai, which was the Karate Kid. My kids are really into that. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Wonder Years was back, is back now. He-Man is back. And the the He-Man toys apparently are a hot commodity, too, like the original ones. Global Winnipeg alongside Jim Totes. Oh, 
Uh, we're, oh. <laughs> we're being interrupted by some audio there that shouldn't be on the air. Sorry about that, Lisa. That's okay. But, yeah, you, even the toys resurfacing, too, and it, it really takes you back. Yeah, and the interesting thing about these throwbacks, right, to whatever age you are, you have your song or you have, you know, the movie or the TV show or, or whatever. Um, with social media now, it hits a, a whole new generation, and people check things out for the first time. It's It's cool to see, you know, things become popular from 20, 30, 40 years ago. It is, and it's it's neat to sit down, you know, as as a parent or a grandparent and watch it again um, alongside, you know, kids who have never seen it before. And I think it's neat how a lot of them are kind of uh, being reinvented with a different edge. Like He-Man, for example, is is centered more on one of the female characters, right? And there was the big Cinderella reboot with uh, Camilla Cabello where... It, it really wasn't your classic fairy tale. Uh, it was a really sort of empowered role for her as yeah. Cinderella. So it, it's, this, it's the kind of 2021 spin that, that's also really interesting. What about your boys? Do you expose them to uh, any music? I mean, maybe Sharon, Lois, and Bram, but do you expose them to any music from when you were younger? I mean, even Jackie, my wife, she's about 10 or 11 years younger than me. When I put it on, when I put 80s music on, she's like, oh, my God, you know, when the eyes roll and, you know, I'm the worst human ever. But I'm curious to know, your boys, do you ever, uh, you and your husband, expose them to music that you loved? And do they like it or do they roll their eyes or what? My husband's more the music man, and they love it. We listen to a lot of Queen. We listen to a Mm. lot of Freddie Mercury. They love the old-school heavy metal. I put on some of the old-school stuff that I like, uh, Ario Speedwagon being one of them. (laughs) Nobody nobody seems to get on board with that, but they like the heavy metal. They like the Queen, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, i got to ask you, uh, before I let you go here, about this vote in Alberta today. I mean, Albertans are voting on a bunch of stuff. But one of the things that they're voting on is keeping daylight saving time year-round. And, and I said earlier, my I don't pick one, standard or daylight. I don't care, really. I don't think I care. I haven't given it that much thought. But I just don't like the change. Like, let's pick one and stick with it. I kind of like that part of it. I agree. And, you know, coming from Saskatchewan and spending years there where they do not adjust the clocks and they do not observe it, being here now where you do, the only thing that's really struck me about it personally, and and this is just my own opinion, is it's just kind of a pain in the butt. You look at, you know, them talking about how more darkness in the morning can lead to problems with heart health, problems with obesity, but I I really can't say that I felt that as a family. It's it's just kind of more of a pain than anything. Mm -hmm. So I know that that ballot box question, it's very general, and and one of the things that they're saying is, is it too general for people to really know exactly what they're voting for? So for anybody voting in those municipal elections, you know, out in Alberta, just make sure that that you're you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're yeah. making the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Lisa, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great week, and we'll be watching tonight at 6 o'clock. You too. Thanks, Hal. Global News anchor Lisa Dutton. Uh, and, of course, as we said, uh, you can check her out at 6 o'clock tonight on uh, Global News Television. And uh, that uh, newscast, 6 to 6.30, is uh, also simulcast here on CJOB, so you can check it out uh, here as well. <music>